Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless as he talks to successful real estate professionals and ask them to share their best advice ever. From deal syndicators to wholesalers, flippers, property managers, pest inspectors, and everyone in between. It's the best ever advice and none of the fluff. Let's go. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm with today's guest, Michael Blanc. Michael, how's it going? Hey, very good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's my pleasure and honor. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Of course. Well, I just, just to give a very brief introduction to you before you actually introduce yourself, um, the reason why I wanted to jump on a call with you is because yeah, I know that you're actively doing deal syndication. I know you've uh, done a syndicated deal before. I'm um, actually multiple syndicated deals, both uh, from a, a multifamily property and then also, interesting enough, restaurants. Um, and I know you have background in flipping houses. Um, I, I was on your website and I saw that you did uh, 30 homes in two years, which is quite impressive. Um, I know your focus now is on syndication. So um, before we jump into your best real estate investing advice ever, can you tell us a little bit about your background and also maybe something about you personally so that we get to know you a little bit better? Yeah, yeah, no, no, by all means. I, I have, I have, I'm very qualified for real estate, Joe. I have a, I have a master's degree in computer science, uh, which, I feel, <laughs> which I feel is, uh, I, I recommend highly to anyone trying to get into real estate. So that's my first good advice is, uh, is, to, is to do that. So now, actually, I, have, I do have a software background, and I, I, I ended up, um, I ended up uh, getting participating in a, in a startup uh, that was that was very successful and, and made some money through through an IPO. And my my real my plan was to you know to to start my own software company. So I was I was kind of an early employee, but it wasn't my company. And that's what I wanted to do. And as I was networking with uh, with potential entrepreneurs who had a product, but maybe you know a handful of customers, but haven't commercialized the product, which is what I did before, um, I just really didn't see the opportunity. And this is right around the time when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I got exposed. And 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 after reading that, I was like. Man, I'm such an idiot. You know, here I am, you know, trying to amass, you know, money in my in my bank account somehow. And then 
And Rich Dapurda obviously argues that it's not the much money you have in the bank, it's it's how much passive income you're deriving from that. And I was like, oh, wow, right. right. That makes perfect sense. So the combination of really not finding opportunity in the software side combined with this thinking and, and an open door on a restaurant side. So I, I, I was exposed to uh, franchise restaurants. And by the time I decided to get into it as, as my cash flow business, um, uh, it was a different concept that I signed up with. And I ended up buying a territory of, of, of a pizza restaurant. And it was set up just like the other guy said. I, I got a guy who would, who, who would run all these restaurants for me, and I would fund it and then sit back and count the money. That was the plan. Nice. And, and yeah, and it's a good plan in time, theory. Yeah, no, it's a good plan. It, it worked for a good while. Okay, good. Um, we'll get back to that. And <laughs> and and at, at the same time, you know, because Kiyosaki talks about real estate, I was like, okay, real estate that makes sense to me. And I decided I want to get into into flipping. And this was in 2005. And I did a I did a couple houses in 2005 and one in 2006. And then we got really busy on the restaurants. We were we were uh, building some, and then we bought out a couple other franchisees who wanted to get out. And it was getting really, really busy. I had also gotten active in apartment buildings in Texas. And I was marketing there, and I actually had an 82-unit under contract for $1.8 million. It was a smoking hot deal. And within a few days, I got out of it because I said, if I'm going to go forward with stuff, I'm going to have to fly to Texas every couple of weeks and get this thing done. And I decided to get out of it because it was so busy on the restaurant side. So I didn't do much real estate in 2007 and eight. So I looked like a genius, right? <laughs> because the, the market tanked. I had already sold everything. So yeah, I was definitely a genius. And, where, um, where in Texas was it? Just curious. Since it was, I'm in, from it was in College Station. So Texas A&M. Ah, Texas A&M. Aggies. And, and it, it was my broker. I told my, my broker, I said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be able to fall through with it. I did have a capital. I was using my own capital at the time, even though I was already starting to to ask people to invest with me. Um, uh, but I, but the combination of no track record and out of state made it difficult. So my broker took the deal down himself, and he actually still owns it today, and it was a smoking hot deal. And I had literally analyzed 70 deals up to this point. I was, I was constantly analyzing deals for months on end. And I knew it was a good deal, so he took it down, so it was good for him. And then in two, 2009, uh, once things stabilized a little bit on the restaurant side, I decided to get back into real estate. And instead of you know, a hobby, I wanted to kind of turn into a business. So I hired an, an, an assistant, actually my bookkeeper, became my assistant and a project manager for the construction. And I raised money from private individuals you know, in 25000 minimum and paid them 12% interest. And I found it surprisingly easy to raise money. People understood real estate. It was a good return and a low perceived risk. So we bought two houses a month. I mean, the market was, it was like the perfect storm here in this area in Washington, D.C. because uh, because there was such a, a oversupply of foreclosures and the retail market was improving right in 2009. So it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy them for really cheap and they sold at, 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 at sold quickly at your target price. And I knew this was a temporary thing in the market, but I, I, I decided to really jump into it. And then we did about 30 houses in, in two years, and then it was starting to dry up on the, on the acquisition side. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a lot of investors, a lot of money coming in, a lot of buy and hold investors, and it got exceedingly difficult to find deals. And I really wanted to get into commercial real estate. I just, I, the pro- biggest problem with flipping houses is that there's really nothing passive about it. Right. <laughs> Right. So, and what okay, market? The, what know, market is that exactly? This is, this is, that is, this is in yeah, no, it's it's Washington D.C. and uh, and parts of Maryland. 
Okay. And this was working working well, as well as Baltimore as well. And in what Baltimore. years exactly is that? Uh, let's see. Uh, really got started in 2010 and 2011. Okay. So that's when I that's when I I got, got jumped in. And then I had an op. I always wanted to get into commercial real estate because it's. It, I just felt it was a better way to build long-term wealth in a more you know time leveraged manner. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I have a property manager that can create value, uh, et cetera. And so I got an opportunity to um, to look at a 12 unit in Washington D.C. and um, and then ended up purchasing purchasing that building with a handful of investors and uh, had a single tenant almost bankrupt that that business entirely. And so learn a lot of stuff. Um, well, don't don't that, don't skip over that. What happened with that tenant? Uh, well, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean the tenant was um, was was not paying rent, which was the least of the problems. The problem is for some reason I still can't figure out to this day. His personal mission was to try to bankrupt me. So and the way he did that was <laughs> he called you know he called various governmental agencies around compliance and enforcement. And every second day, I had some kind of inspector from some agency come by, and of course, every time an inspector gets out, they're going to they're going to find something to write up. Otherwise, they're not doing their job. Right. And the exposure this building had for him was so high up in the food chain at these different agencies that the inspectors were on a lot of pressure to perform, and 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 this resulted in in exceedingly high fines uh, for things that normally aren't enforced. And uh, I was under a microscope by various different agencies. You know, the, the one that enforces uh, construction permits, lead paint people, local associations, things of that nature. So, it, and then he was suing me in 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 court for the same 12 housing code violations. Uh, the the you know, tenant month, was. Yeah, the the tenant was exactly, and and so. And so this was going on. So I have never been in court this much in my in my life, huh. and I don't I don't really I don't really like being in court. And uh, but he was making me go to court every six weeks. <laughs> so wow. so he was he was running up the bill on fines and and you know the, getting the the proper permits for not the intent of the law but the letter of the law, which is very expensive in Washington D.C. You need an, you need a permit, for example, to replace a light fixture, and, and that permit has to be pulled by a licensed electrician. Wow. So the licensed electrician is going to charge you $500 to go to the to the department of whatever uh, to pull that permit, which for a $10 fix is just not. So it made it difficult, and he, you know he, he made it difficult for the contractors as they came in, and people quit, and it was hard to find replacement. And um, so, you know, I, I had made two attempts to try to communicate, both of which backfired. But here's the thing that you know that that that, that happened at one of our our hearings. It was a you know it was a judge on on one end and a proper manager and me and I was just sitting there listening to him present the violations and the proper manager responding to them and finally turns to me and goes you know I'd like to spend five minutes with Mr. Blanc and I was like okay that sounds good so they dismissed themselves and I don't remember what we talked about Joe I really don't remember all I know is we agreed to go grab a cup of coffee afterwards and they come back in and the judge says what do you want to do he says I want to dismiss all charges. And they all looked at me like, what did you guys talk about while we're gone? And before I know it, I'm having a cup of coffee with him, you know, down down in the courthouse, you know, cafe. And we're just, you know, we're just talking. And um, he just, he just, he just says, you know, he didn't really know what, he, what the effect that he was having. And yeah. It, it, it turns out he was really trying to make the city do their job more than targeting me, which was really bizarre, which, you know, 
Right. Um, and he says, look, you don't have to worry about me anymore. And, and, and sure enough, he, he stopped uh, calling and he was a good tenant, but uh, he had he moved out, um, you know, shortly. Wow. So it, was one of those, it was one of those things where, I, you know, as soon as I got into the deal, it was so bad that I really strongly reconsidered my entire decision to go into, you know, commercial real estate. Uh, I was going to say, storage units look really good after that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, it looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. So it was, it was, you know, I was warned about the, the, the District of Columbia because of the laws. Right. Uh, but even even the professionals involved in this deal were like going, "Man, this is um this is a new one for me." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, great! That's great!" <laughs> you never want to be a case study. <laughs> no, I why am I the case study? Exactly? So, <laughs> so anyway, anyway, so um yeah, so that was With, my. And did did my you have a, did you have a, you have investors for that that deal? Yes, yes, I did. I, I this this that was my first uh, truly syndicated deal. If yeah. you don't count the the houses, which was done via promissory notes. Yeah. But this one was done, you know, with an SEC attorney, a private placement memorandum, subscription agreement, all that stuff, which cost way too much for the deal, the deal size. But I worked it into the deal, and it, I made it work from the expense perspective. And I learned a lot, and everything's done by the book. So, so that's why we uh, we did it. So. Wow. Now, now I'm looking for something in the two to five million dollar dollar range. But after talking with you, I might have to raise it from five to ten. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> the high, the higher you go, the less competition, the more, the easier it is to get non recourse, and investors like that. Oh, that's true. That's true. You do want you do want a loan amount of greater than a million dollars for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that's the story. And I, I think we got a lot of personal info from you but what's what's something that people might not know about you personally just to, for us to get to know you a little bit better yeah so i'm actually uh from germany but i don't speak with an accent so you can't really tell <laughs> yeah you, you can't tell interesting yeah okay yeah, I'm, I'm i'm totally undercover all right well <laughs> with go, going back before we get into your best real estate investing advice ever, just going back to that specific deal where you you had the challenges with the tenant, and that's an understatement. Is there something that you learned or something you can share about that? You know, in order to either avoid it or mitigate the damage next time if that's happening to you or somebody else in that similar scenario? Yeah, yeah. one thing one thing that one of the uh, uh, landlord-tenant attorneys advised me that I do it, I did not do because I tried to cut a corner during due diligence, was to look up each tenant's uh, court history. And you see it's kind of public record as in most jurisdictions. You either get it online or you can call or go down to the courthouse and just to see what the legal activity has been for for, for each of the tenants. And, you know, it's, it's only, it was only 12 tenants, so it wouldn't have been a lot of work. So after the fact, I actually went in out of curiosity, and sure enough, this guy was in and out of specifically landlord-tenant court with the previous uh, owner. And, and, and the problem with that is the more activity someone has in the court system, the more familiar they are with the process. Right. So uh, if someone goes, oh, I'm going to sue the landlord, oh, that sounds complicated and, and expensive. And it's neither in the district. It's so simple. You go and you fill out a form and you file it, and that is it. The court will deliver it, and now you got to you got to defend yourself. So it it doesn't cost a tenant a dime, and it only takes a a form. And um, so the more experience someone has with evictions or others, the more difficult they're going to be. And and this person was was very intelligent, very determined, and he knew how to use the system to his 
his advantage. And 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 you know, honestly, would I have something? Would I have done something differently if I discovered this? You know, honestly, probably not. You know, I, right. I was a little eager to little eager to do a deal, and I'm like, well, just over this one thing, really, of what could happen, I'm not going to do a deal. I probably would have plowed ahead anyway. I so, understand that. Yep. So you know, so so you can go back and and question yourself. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you do the best you can. You build in a margin for for error, and and then you just take it as it comes. You know, you just take it as it, as it comes, and you try to do the best that you can. Completely agree. Yeah, that yeah. that tenant's uh, court history is something that uh, I imagine gets overlooked uh, with most investors whenever they're doing due diligence. Um, that's, that's something that is a really good point. So thanks, thanks for mentioning yeah. that. All right. Yeah. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? <laughs> I, I think if I, I – because I thought about this. I think the best advice is to be intentional. And this applies not just for real estate investing but life in, in general is to be intentional with your, with your real estate investing. And here's, here's kind of what I mean by that. And, you know, a lot of us, we tend to kind of drift through life, whatever it is, you know, and, and maybe we want some things, we want a nicer house, or we want a million dollars, or we want to get into real estate investing, but we're kind of drifting through life. And at one point, uh, we develop a, a, a discontent of some sort that, that maybe grows stronger inside of us. And at that point, we have to listen to that and kind of analyze a little bit. And, and if that discontent becomes strong enough, we, we then start dreaming about what, what could be. And again, we have to learn how to how to listen to, you know, to either our inner voice or whatever we call it, if you want to call that God or whatever else. And we don't do a lot of that. We just kind of normally drift through life, uh, and we don't we don't really listen to um, to that discontent that sometimes uh, builds in us. So there's there's plenty of people that develop a discontent with their job or where they're going or their retirement account, uh, and, and and some even some even start dreaming of what what could be. Um, but but if you're an, if you're intentional about that, you don't just dream. You actually uh, you actually decide to do something about it, right? So you actually decide that you want to do something about it, and, and in that decision, you consider why you want to do something about that, right? So going back to why you want to change your life, and if you did that, what would happen? What would you get? And if you don't, what would be the result of of, of that? And you need to commit to that decision. So if you decide to get started with real estate in, in investing because you are discontented with your job or where your life is going, and you dream of retiring in 10 years, uh, and, you, and the way you dream of doing that is maybe buying a rental property each year, so you have 10 at the end of 10 years, then you need to, you need to, um, then you need to commit to that and take action. And, and a lot of people skip that step. And, and if you get that far, then the intentional investor, after taking action, really has to be focused. This is something mm-hmm. that I have. I'm, I'm weak also is because I have the shiny objectitis. You know, I'll go, ooh, that looks good. Let's, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, that looks, that looks, let me, oh, this is a great opportunity. Oh, oh here's something, right? So there's right. so many different things you could do. You could do the wholesaling, the rehabbing, the subject to, the lease options, you know, storage. There's so many different things that, that but you, you need to decide kind of what you want to do in, in the realm of real estate investing. In the beginning, sure, you know, educate yourself about business strategies. But at one point, you really got to focus on one and just stick with it. So you get kind of good at, at at one thing. And I think that's that's a difficult thing. No matter what you do, 
you're not going to be successful in two months, six months, 12 months. I mean, if you talk to a lot of the, the experienced, successful investors, sometimes it took them several years before they got to the point where they were able to, to, uh, to quit their job and, and start achieving a platform to build on. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will give up after month nine or month 12 or, you know, after one and a half years, but if they persisted just a little bit longer, they would have come over, over the hump. So, so I think the best advice in my, in my mind is to really be intentional about what you're doing. And, you know, each and every day you get up, you kind of think about what your, what your plan is, what you, what your intention is. You go back to why you decided to do that, what the rewards are, and then you take action kind of, you know, toward that, toward our goal. Absolutely, I completely agree. And on on the you know the the note of some people might quit after nine months, a year, six months, whatever, uh, but they might not realize how close they are to actually making it happen. Uh, a book that I just read, it, I just actually finished it a couple days ago, and I know I'm behind the curve on this because it's been out for a while, but it's three feet from gold. And huh. it's a Napoleon Hill – it was put on by the Napoleon Hill Foundation, uh, and it's just a f- incredible book. And it talks about just that where at the, the opening story is where you know someone quit uh, – a gold miner quit three feet away from – because he didn't hmm. have the education that he needed. He needed to hire an engineer to tell him to, to drill some other way. Um, he quit. Hmm. Someone else came in and – it, it worked out for for the the next person. Wow. Um, so wow. I I completely agree, and that it, it's really interesting to hear you say this because I've done other interviews on the show, and it's it tends to be a reoccurring theme where it's it's you have the focus on something and you continue to persist because if we continue to chase shiny objects then we're going to all you know ultimately there's going to be a challenge in whatever we do and uh, it's what will push us through to get to that next step to reach our goal you know to reach our to reach our gold um, and you know, I, I think if we continue bouncing around, then we're going to reach a challenge. We're not going to be focused or dedicated enough towards it because, as you said, you know, we, we might not be as clear as as far as why we're doing it. Uh, but once we have that defined and we continue to focus on it and we are intentional about what we want to achieve, then that's where you know things start paying off. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the best ever lightning round. Are you ready? <laughs> All right, let's do it. Uh, best ever book you've read? You know, I, there, there's there's uh, several. Obviously, I mentioned Rich Dad uh, Poor Dad, which uh, which affected me kind of on a fundamental level. And the next one that kind of did the same thing was kind of the Four Hour Work Week. Uh huh. Right? Just the the idea of it's an extension of that passive income, but it also talks about online business, which I had not thought of. Um, so those are those are two good ones. They require reading. Um, I don't know if it was one of the, one of the best books I've ever read, but it's one uh, I read recently that was pretty good. It was something called Pitch Anything by Oren Klaff, and he talks about how you it, it deals specifically with pitching investors. That's what he does. He he pitches. He's like a Wall Street guy, and he pitches investors. And he says he's he's developed the, the formula for effectively pitching people without chasing them and begging them for money. So I thought that was a pretty good read, huh. since I'm 
begging and chasing money. <laughs> I, I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was a that was a pretty. She had some pretty good stuff to say and some pretty good tactics uh, that that one can use when they're you know when they're specifically asking to raise money for something. Yeah, I will be buying that today. I've read the first two, but I, I haven't read that one. So that's that's a good one. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Best ever uh, deal you've ever done. The best ever deal I've ever done. Yep. Um, it was a it was a house flip in um, it was a house flip, and this was probably this was two two thousand nine is one of the first deals uh, I did, and it was probably the largest one I, I've done because it involved the creation of a, of a of an addition. But it was I think, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like you know we bought it for like a hundred, put it in a hundred, and then sold it for like four fifty or something like that. That was probably the, the best the That's best a- single deal. It was a it was a home run. And I, I bought her off of a postcard, and it was someone who was very old and just didn't really care about details and just want to get rid of it. So it was, it was kind of the classic, yep. you know, flip. And it's like, you know, people think that every one of the deals should be like that, and they're not. It's like one, in, well, one out of 30. The other ones are all, you know, base hits or whatever, and this one was kind of a home run. Absolutely. Wow. And then on the flip side, some people might not think those deals exist. And that's, that's correct and, also. And that's you're there also. to prove that it, they do. Okay. Yeah. Best ever success habit that you practice. I don't know about best ever, but you know, one of the things I'm really working on right now is really waking up each morning and being grateful. Yeah. You know? That that is something that I'm working on. Um, yeah. First thought, because normally when you get up, for me at least, the first thing that runs through my mind is what do I need to do today, right? You're you're, you're starting to run. Instead, you just kind of say, no, I'm going to think about what I'm grateful for today. So I don't know if that's a best ever success habit. I love that. I'm working on right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love that. Uh, I know we've talked before, and I I mentioned how I do 15 minutes of fulfillment. You know, the Tony Robbins thing, where the first five yeah, minutes cool. is uh, thinking about all the things I'm grateful for. The next five minutes would be you know thinking about all the things I'm grateful for that technically haven't happened, but in my mind they've happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. last one's incantation. So I I. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Best ever internet resource you use for investing research? You know, I think uh, I think the biggerpockets.com is, is is a really good resource. And the reason is there's so many people writing and contributing content, and there's also the forums there. Uh, yes. I think for real estate investing, and, and there's a gamut there. There's all the way from you know flipping, wholesaling to storage and apartment buildings and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really valuable resource for sure. One thousand percent agree. I, I any any time I have uh, sort of like a crowdsource question that I want to send out to people, I use <laughs> I use that website. Uh, most recently, I was asked. I did a post on you know how um, how can I give my residents something nice. Uh, what are some ideas? And I got just like 15, 20 examples hmm. of different ideas. And I know that you write for Bigger Pockets on a regular basis too. Yeah. And I've read your articles and they're great. So definitely a good yeah, resource. Uh, best yeah. e- best ever quote. I don't know. It's hard to narrow the narrow a best ever. Honestly, I, there, there's one though that that again I, that stands out for me recently, which is why by Richard Branson he says if someone offers you an amazing opportunity. And you're not sure you can do it. Say yes, and learn how to do it later. I love that. 
I think you operate that way more I so, do. more so than, than I'm. And I love that because I have to have my ducks in a row a lot more, you know. But you know, yeah. Sometimes you just you can't have all your ducks in a row. You just gotta do stuff on faith a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I I I I, I live and breathe that quote for sure. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, what's the best ever place to reach you? On my website, which is uh, themichaelblanc.com, and I do write about apartment building investing, and I have a podcast on on that topic. I put out free articles, and I have a free ebook that talks about how to raise money for apartment buildings. So that's the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, Michael. Much appreciated. I love talking to you. I love hearing what you're up to, and you know, I, I love addressing the psychology behind all this uh, because I think that's where you know the foundationally that's that's the most important thing because once you have the psychology down then it's just a matter of figuring out the tactics exactly right it's so important well thanks thanks again Joe I really appreciate it really enjoyed it all right talk to you soon bye hey you best ever listener do you want more then head to joefairless.com where there are tons of free videos templates and content to help you get deals done And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on joefairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.